I've been directly involved in the launch of over a dozen multi-site campuses through the churches I've led, and half of them have been in movie theaters. I'm convinced that every church leader should consider using a theater for your next campus or church plant. They're flexible, culturally relevant locations, typically in the center of the community that you're trying to reach. Regal is the only theater company with a dedicated team of full-time consultants ready to help your church launch and succeed in a movie theater. Check out Regal Theater church.com for more information on locations your church could use. Welcome to the Unseminary Podcast. Are you looking for practical ministry help to drive your ministry further, faster? Have a sinking feeling that your ministry training didn't prepare you for the real world? Hey, you're not alone. Join thousands of others in pursuit of stuff that we wish they had taught in seminary. Buckle up and let's get started with this week's Unseminary Podcast. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to the Unseminary Podcast. My name's Rich, the host here, and uh, we're just so honored that you would take some time out from your week. We know that you've got a lot going on uh, at your church as we head into this weekend, and I'm just honored that you would take some time out uh, to be with us. Today, uh, we're in for a real treat. We've got Phil Taylor with us from Mosaic Church in Central Florida. Mosaic's a fantastic church. If you haven't had a chance to check them out, you should. They've been around since about 2003. They started in Easter 2003. Another church, our church, started on Easter. Uh, so did uh, Mosaic. There are currently three locations locations in Central Florida. Uh, Phil, welcome to the show. Thanks. Great to be here, Rich. Yeah, Phil, why don't you tell us a little bit about Mosaic? Give us kind of the sense of what people, you know, would expect from the church and then your role there. Yeah, sure. Well, we we are, you know, we are in the, the backyard of Disney World. And mm. so that's kind of the, the dominant focus of the whole area here. Uh, you've got 55 million tourists a year coming to the Orlando area. You've got at Disney World alone, 74,000 people that work there. Mm-hmm. And so we really, um, we serve a lot of people that are in the uh, entertainment industry, in the theme park industry, uh, in the hospitality industry. And that really kind of pervades our culture here, mm. uh, which makes it kind of an interesting place because you've got people moving here from all over the place. No one no one that lives in Orlando is from Orlando. The first question <laughs> you ask is, where are you from? Because the assumption from? is you're not from here. Yes. Uh, which makes it uh, kind of an interesting place because it's sort of this... Uh, place where people are picking up from all over the country or world and, and saying, I'm going to go move to Orlando. So it mm. uh, kind of has a little bit of a, you know, a modern day West kind of a feel to it, mm. um, which is a lot of fun. Uh, Mosaic Church um, uh, is in three locations. One of our locations is actually at Disney World. We have mm. a location uh, in Disney property in what's called the uh, Downtown Disney or now uh, Disney Springs area. And, and we have a campus pastor there. Uh, and then we have two other kind of more suburban uh, campuses, and um, uh, we're actually getting ready to bring those two campuses together into one new building because the, the building we found just happens to be in the middle, and it's going to give us a lot of space for growth. So uh, that'll happen later on this year when our when our construction is finished. But uh, tell, um, tell us about your role there. What is what is your role at uh, at Mosaic? So my my title is called Executive Pastor of Leadership and Development, okay. and uh, you'll notice it's not leadership development; it's leadership and development, and that's mm. important uh, because uh, it's you know the focus is certainly. About half my time is spent on leadership development, which is with our staff, uh, with our elders, building our eldership program. Uh, 27 elders in process right now to become uh, elder pastors, elder slash pastors. And then the other side is the development side, uh, which Mm -hmm. is really kind of project management. So uh, if, you know, if we're... um, relaunching our brand or relaunching a website, I'm probably going to drive that team. Mm-hmm. I'm going to hire the, you know, the people that we're doing outsourcing with and, and a mix of team members and outsourced. Um, in our capital campaign that we did last fall, uh, kind of brought together the team of 
uh, mostly staff, and then our um, we hire generis to work with us in that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, in our building project, I'm you know bringing together the key uh, stakeholders from the different departments to make sure that kids ministry area is being designed well, and and that they're talking to the uh, the architect about what they need, and just kind of bringing all those pieces together. So kind of large projects. So there's you know a portion of my job each week is is going to be with people. Probably half of my week is was with people, and really mm-hmm. the staff members and key leaders. Mm-hmm. And then the other half is going to be spent, you know, on, on you know, what's the big thing we're working on right now. And mm-hmm. so, uh, I love that because mm-hmm. my job constantly changes. I get bored really easily, <laughs> and so uh, it's nice to be able to just kind of continually change and and also be the one who decides what is the next project that we're going to work on. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I, because I am in that second chair role, I I get to be the one who says, hey, we're going to. In order to bring the vision into reality, this is what we need to focus our time on next, mm-hmm. and that's a lot of fun for me. So. Yeah, it sounds really like you know, uh, you know, you really live at the intersection of vision and reality, right? How do we kind of exactly. convert um, ideas and make those into you know reality? I'd like to kind of dig into that a little bit here, a little bit more about that, and then sure. you know, specifically kind of how you know, how, what does that look like for you? How is it that you are um, you know helping that vision come to reality in your church? Yeah, that that that's really kind of my life calling is mm. bringing vision into reality. When I was um, first out of seminary, like a lot of guys, I became a lead pastor mm-hmm. uh, because kind of the leadership culture kind of drives people into the lead pastor role, mm-hmm. and uh, and I did that and it was going fine. But I I really realized that um, God had gifted me more effectively to be a second chair leader, mm-hmm. and and it was kind of during that space that God really spoke to me in, in a, a I would say a pretty clear way and mm. and said you know the 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 job for the rest of your days on this planet is to come alongside of really highly gifted communicator visionaries mm-hmm. who have a potential to, to really create a generational impact, mm-hmm. but who on their own lack the organizational ability to bring that vision into reality. And mm-hmm. so uh, that kind of summary there of, of bringing vision into reality, coming alongside of those crazy lead pastor types <laughs> who have a million ideas and only six of them are actually feasible, but you got to... <laughs> You got to kind of wade through them and figure out what's going to work, and then come alongside of them and say, "Oh, great! Let's let's bring this thing into reality." So, you know what that looks like in in our church context is mm-hmm. that um, I'm capturing the vision of our lead pastor mm-hmm. and really internalizing it so that it really becomes mm-hmm. my own, really mm-hmm. so that it's it's as clear to me as it is to him. Right. And if someone comes to me and says, "Hey, what's the vision of our church?" I can articulate it just as well as our lead pastor can, and maybe even in a different way for the people who don't think like a, you know, kind of in the clouds kind of guy. Mm-hmm. So um, so it's that, and then and then saying, okay, well, this is the vision. How are we going to bring that into reality? So I'll give you an example. When I when I got to our church here a little, little under three years ago, um, you know, I asked our lead pastor um, lots of questions, but one of the questions I asked was just, um, hey, what what does uh, what, what are some of the biggest pain points in the church right now? Like, what are mm-hmm. what are the crying needs of the church? Mm-hmm. And he said, "Man, if we don't get leadership development right, like very soon, it's going to sink us because mm-hmm. um, we've grown too fast and we don't have the depth of leadership that we need." Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, so I said, "Okay, great." And then that's really all he said on that point. Mm-hmm. Um, not, there was nothing else said on that point. And then right. I went away and I built a whole leadership development strategy for our church. Um, that was focused on both lay leaders and staff leaders, uh, and and came back, you know, a couple of months later, and you know, walked him through the plan and said, "What do you think about this?" And he, you know, asked me to tweak this or alter mm-hmm. that a little bit. But for the most part, it was like, "Dude, run with it, go for mm-hmm. it," you know. Mm-hmm. Then and then I, you know, over the next 
couple of years began you know putting that into motion and and it's we've now got a leadership pipeline in place that <laughs> uh, just has a constant stream of leaders coming online <laughs> and, and what it's done is it's expanded our ability to shepherd the church well and that's really the goal is that um, we 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 want to be able to shepherd the people who come to mosaic really really well and that requires training up a ton of shepherds mm -hmm. so yeah. Interesting. Now, you know, why don't you dig in, maybe using that as an example around, you know, what is it that you're doing to pick apart a giant vision and make a really workable and realistic plan? You know, how are there been kind of common patterns through that that you've kind of been seen over the, you know, over the years as you've, you've been able to do that at your church? Because I think we can all identify. There's a lot of people that listen in, our executive pastors leading from that second chair. And we've all been in that scenario where, you know, the lead pastor comes in and says, we're going to do this giant thing. And we're like, okay, yeah. well, we've got $12 and three right. people. Not sure how we're going to do that, but let's well, figure it out. I think you just hit on a really important point there, which is the lead pastor walks into a room and says, we're going to do this awesome thing. <laughs> right. And and if, if, that, if that time that he says that is the first time that the executive pastor is hearing about it, <laughs> you have a major problem in communication between your lead mm. pastor and your executive mm. pastor. Good call, good call. Either the LP doesn't trust the XP mm -hmm. or the XP is not gifted well enough for that role mm. or, or inappropriately for that role. Mm -hmm. um, so, so my lead pastor and I, we meet every week mm -hmm. uh, for at least an hour. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, one week it'll be with our full executive team. The next week it'll be just he and I. Mm -hmm. uh, sometimes it's a two-hour meeting where we can dig into life a little bit more. But, but in those times, I'm always asking him, hey, what is God speaking to you? Um, what are there new visions that you feel like God's giving you for the church? Are there things that you're seeing? Uh, and, and then we're talking about that. Mm -hmm. And so our lead pastor, um, I don't mean this in a pejorative way, but he knows better than to walk into a staff meeting with 30 or 50 people at <laughs> right. and say, hey guys, I've got a great new idea. Right. Now, you guys all go make it happen. No, no, right. that, that's not the way we do things. Mm -hmm. It is the way our church used to do things. <laughs> right. It's not the way we do things anymore. So right. now, he's going to come to me and say, hey, I've got this idea. I don't know. What do you think? Mm -hmm. And then I'm either going to say, yeah, we can do that now, or we could. it might be better to wait six months, or you know what, we, pro we probably shouldn't do that at all, actually. Mm. We're just not going to do that one. Right, and, he'll, right. and he's going to submit to me just like I submit to him. Mm -hmm. And occasionally he's going to say, no, man, I really want to do this. Hmm. Right? But the important point is we're talking ahead of time. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so then when we walk into a room, a director's meeting or an all-staff meeting, and say, hey, here's an idea that we're just starting to poke around uh, into, um, he and I have already put some flesh on those bones, right? Mm -hmm. So we've already kind of, I might have, we might have been talking about it for three months. Mm -hmm. uh, I might have already put together some rough guidelines on how we're going to bring that vision into reality. I might have already brought that to our executive director of operations and said, hey, what do you think this is going to cost? Mm -hmm. Is it going to require another staff member? Is it going to require a $50,000 allocation in our budget? Is it going to require a million dollar allocation mm -hmm. in our budget? Mm -hmm. What is this going to cost? Um, from a payroll standpoint, from a volunteer standpoint, <laughs> um, how is it going to distract our team? Mm -hmm. Does that mean we do it now? Does that mean we wait until we get through this building project? You see what I'm saying? Absolutely. So it's really important for the, the LP and the XP to be in those conversations super early. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and that way, you know, you, what happens then is that the staff and the congregation feel like, man, not only am I excited about what's going to happen, I also know what I'm supposed to do. Yes, right. right. Um, and in the, I think oftentimes the kind of the crazy LP types um, get everybody excited because they were excited. Mm -hmm. 
And then, you know, three weeks later, you're like, hey, what are we doing about that thing? I don't know. I told you about it. Right. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I guess you guys will figure it out. Well, we're not sure who's in charge. So, <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's really the importance of the LPXP team, uh, especially in larger environments. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I think, you know, I've, I've heard in the past and I've seen this, you know, it, just as I've interacted with our, my lead pastor is there is this, you know, kind of long, slow hunch that sometimes, you know, it takes a long time for ideas to germinate. And then they, they, there's kind of a tipping point where they go from like, oh, that's an interesting idea to yes, let's do that. And, you know, what I hear you saying and just want to encourage and underline is a part of the role of the executive pastor and lead pastor is to be in dialogue through those long, slow hunches. So when mm -hmm. it gets to the like, no, I think this is where God's leading us to go next, yeah. that it's yeah. not the first time that we've, you know, talked about it, that, you know, we've kind of been able to process those um, right. together. You know, how else have you built trust between, obviously, trust relationships, super <clears throat> important between a lead pastor and executive pastor. Um, what, you know, what would you say to an executive pastor today that's listening and saying, hey, you know, I need to work harder on building trust with, you know, my, uh, going both ways with my you know, lead pastor, you know, what does that look like for you? Yeah. Well, I mean, you can turn to any marriage book and get some good tips on this, right? <laughs> right. I mean, to be honest, you know, if, if you don't, if you're not spending enough time with your wife, um, she's going to be more likely to, you know, wonder what's going on, right? Mm -hmm. So it, the, a lot of these things are very similar. So, mm -hmm. you know, if that's why I meet with our lead pastor every week. So we meet every week. And I think really time is the key. Um, you know, we're meeting together every week. We're talking about stuff. Um, you know, there's not a whole lot of secrets between us. You know what I mean? Where if there's something going on in, in my, in, with my kids or with my wife, like I'm sharing that with him and vice versa. Um, we're really sharing each other's lives together. Mm -hmm. um, we go out on double dates, you know, mm -hmm. my wife and, and his wife, you know, the four of us, we go out on double dates probably three, four or five times a year. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we're, we're connecting, you know, throughout the week. Um, just kind of staying really in, in contact all the time. Mm -hmm. um, but then, you know, uh, a great way to build trust is uh, from the L from the XP to the LP. A great way to build trust is um, to keep a running list of things that you just need to keep him informed of. So mm. uh, I'm a big wonder list guy, and I mm -hmm. keep you know uh, one of the lists in my wonder list app is uh, is you know just has our lead pastor's initials on it. And anytime there's something that comes up, and I'm like, oh, I need to let Renault know about that. Our mm. lead pastor's name is Renault. Um, I'll just drop that in that list, and then. In our next meeting, I'll just kind of check off, hey, just so you know, this is going on with this staff member. Mm -hmm. FYI, I dealt with this fire that we had to put out over here. Mm -hmm. and, you know, it's all taken care of, but just wanted you to be aware of it. Or, hey, the building project's getting slowed down by two weeks because of this. Mm -hmm. uh, it just, I'm just kind of constantly keeping him in the loop so that then when somebody comes to him in the lobby and asks him a question, he's not caught flat-footed, right? right? So he feels like I'm really keeping him in the loop on things, even though for all intents and purposes, I'm the one that's running the church. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Mm -hmm. He's preaching and casting vision, and I'm mm -hmm. running the church. Mm -hmm. uh, but he's always informed. Mm -hmm. um, so that's a really big one. And then from the other direction, from the LP to the XP direction, um, uh, building trust with me, because that's just as important for mm -hmm. me, mm -hmm. uh, is that, again, we've got an open dialogue, and he's informing me of things. But what I've found is that because I'm the more organized guy, I have to kind of pull it out of him. Mm. I have to kind of, when I sit with him, I'll say, hey, have you had any meetings over the last week that I need to know about? Mm. Um, is there anything, any conversations that you've had with people that would be helpful for me to know about? Mm. And I'll kind of pull that out of mm. him. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's super helpful for kind of just creating trust between us. And then just making it okay to, to kind of poke into each other a little bit. Mm -hmm. So 
I'll give you an example. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, he, our lead pastor made a decision that I didn't agree with. Mm-hmm. He made it when I wasn't in the room, and it affected me. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, rather than getting upset about it and not talking about it for two weeks, I just gave him a call. Hey, man, um, I heard about the decision you made in the, the planning meeting earlier today mm-hmm. that I could be at. Yeah, what's up? I said, well, here's why I think it might be a bad idea. Mm. Oh, gosh, I didn't think about that. That's okay. Um, well, let's go with your way because I think your way is probably better. Okay, great. Mm. You know, it was, it was easy, quick, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, but that builds trust. Like, mm-hmm. we just talk about it. We yes. just talk about it. Right. You know? Exactly. Yeah. Don't go underground. Don't, you know, <clears throat> don't, uh, you know, harbor any of those issues, you know, short accounts for sure. Definitely. You know, yeah. let's change tack a little bit. When we talk about getting the, you know, big part of an executive pastor role is really the team development side of it. And, you know, obviously you've talked about that. That's really a big piece of, of what you do, leadership development staff and otherwise. Um, what, when you think about getting the right people on the team, getting the right people on, you know, the, the bus and really putting them to work to implement, uh, the vision, um, you know, what would you share as kind of some best practices from, you know, that, that point of view, obviously there's a lot there, you know, kind of getting the right team members and make sure that they're, you know, positioned in the right place. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, culture fit is, is probably the most important thing. Mm. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, mm-hmm. Culture fit is huge, and so I think that you know the trend in in a lot of um, younger churches uh, and newer churches is to hire from within. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was just a report I think that Warren Bird did on uh, hiring practices, and it, it showed that um, you know younger, newer church plants tended to hire from within mm-hmm. more than than going outside. And so we try to have you know most of our people that we're bringing into leadership roles, staff roles. Uh, be people that we're hiring from within the church. Mm-hmm. That may mean that they lack some of the educational credentials that mm-hmm. that another staff might have. Uh, they might have been homegrown. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you, they might have the only theological development they might have had happened at your church. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know that the the benefit there is that they really get your culture. They're passionate about your church culture, uh, and so they you know they kind of already want to die for your church. You mm-hmm. know, what I mean? mm-hmm. like they yeah. already they already are bought in. Mm-hmm. Now, interestingly, I was the first guy in the church staff that was hired from outside, mm-hmm. like in 13 years. And when I came here, the staff was already 35 people, right. and I was literally the first guy who was brought in from outside mm-hmm. the church. Um, and so, you know, that was kind of a weird thing for the rest of the team Yes, to figure out, like, here's this outsider, and he's telling us what to do. And, um, and so we had to kind of navigate that for a while. But I, mm-hmm. I won them over and, and showed them that I love the church just as much as they do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and so I think hiring from within is important. Mm-hmm. When you do hire from without, you've got to make sure that as much as possible, there's vision alignment, there's DNA alignment. Mm-hmm. You know, there's even some intangible things. We just hired a new worship pastor, mm-hmm. and um, and you know, of course, we did. We didn't have a guy inside that that we thought was going to be the right fit, and so we did the national search thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I chose not to hire a search firm for this one because I felt like I had enough contacts mm-hmm. and um, leveraged the contact uh, at Austin Stone Church in mm-hmm. uh, Texas mm-hmm. and, uh, and, you know, asked him, asked those guys if they had anybody that we ought to take a look at. And, um, you know, we're in the same network of churches, Acts 29 network. And so mm-hmm. uh, uh, the, the worship pastor there gave me a guy. He said, hey, I think, I think you ought to take a look at this guy. And um, as we started talking, we found out that he actually used to live in the same town as our church. Oh, wow. His in-laws lived in the next town over. Oh, wow. So it kind of just created this really natural thing where, mm-hmm. you know, even though he, he wasn't, you know, he hadn't grown up in our church, he hadn't been mm-hmm. trained up in our church, he had all these natural connections to our area. Mm-hmm. And so we're always trying to look for those natural connections. Mm-hmm. I Before moving here from upstate New York, uh, I loved Orlando. So mm-hmm. I, I was passionate about the city of Orlando for mm-hmm. 
a decade before moving here. So mm -hmm. for me, coming to Orlando was like, of course, I'd love to come to Orlando, right? Yep. So, um, so again, you're just looking for things that are going to make it a natural fit because mm -hmm. hiring and firing is an expensive proposition. Absolutely, um, you know, it's, yeah. it, it just a, it, whether it's you know paying somebody who's not being effective, whether it's going through a hiring a search firm and paying mm -hmm. them you know, a third of a, a salary for the first year, it's an expensive process. And so mm -hmm. uh, the more you can get it right, uh, it's going to be cheaper for the church, which makes us better stewards, mm -hmm. uh, and it's going to be better for the team because it creates stability. Mm -hmm. When would you say, Ken, do you have a rule of thumb around hiring internal or external? What was it about? Is it just, hey, there isn't a candidate internally that, that, that kind of flipped the switch to hire you externally? Um, yeah. You know, have you seen <clears throat> kind of anything around culture development on hiring internally or externally? I think you have to play the cards that you're dealt, and mm -hmm. so uh, you, when you've got a role, you look around at your internal team first, um, uh, and you say, "Is there somebody who is going to be a you know an eighty percent effective fit for this job inside the church?" That they may be already on your staff, and you're mm -hmm. going to transition them. They may be a lay person, um, you know. I believe you're at Liquid Church, right? Yes. Rich? Yep. Yep. So you guys are a larger church, so you probably experience the same thing that we do. Where uh, you know, if you're a larger church in town, um, every pastor who is kind of burned out like ends up at your doorstep, <laughs> um, and and you know shows up at one of your services, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. and some of them you end up hiring, right? Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. sometimes the, you know, it's kind of a mix of homegrown and you know he was a pastor somewhere else, and then he showed up with us, and he was whatever working another job for two right. years. <laughs> we realized we really liked this guy, and he would make a great campus pastor or whatever. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That was actually a story we did last year where we mm -hmm. hired a guy who had kind of shown up at our doorstep and mm -hmm. uh, ended up being a great staff member for us. So mm -hmm. I, think, I think you just have to really watch it. Um, you, you think you'll feel it. Like mm -hmm. if your staff if your staff that have been around for a while start to th say things like, man, it just feels like we have a lot of outsiders here. Right. Well, you know, it just it feels like I don't know a lot of these people. Then you've probably pushed the external too much. Mm. But if, on the other hand, if you're, if if it's starting to feel a little too inbred, then <laughs> hey, you know, maybe we need to right. bring some fresh eyes on this. And, yeah. and I think it's important to have both. Um, I think it's it's helpful to have both. Yeah, definitely. I, you know, in the past, I've used the rule of thumb that, you know, hiring internally really does ensure stability. So if you want to, you know, continue to stabilize a ministry area, that really internal, you know, internal hires do that. Yeah. External hires are really positive when you want to radically shift a particular shake area in, in your yeah, ministry. And so, yeah. you know, we did that in our um, children's ministry a number of years ago. We, we really needed to change that around. And so, you know, had an external hire empowered this particular person to say, well, the reason why we're hiring you is to change things. So, right. You are uh, a change agent. Yeah, yeah. We are hiring yeah. you to change this piece. And, yeah. and we need, you know, you to bring that in. Um, you know, for sure. Well, this has been, it's been a great conversation so far. Uh, just kind of as we pivot to, you know, two last questions before we jump into the lightning round. You've actually written a book called Defining the Executive Pastor Role. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Sure, sure. Uh, you know, when, when God kind of called me out of my lead pastor role into the executive pastor role, um, almost instantly, I really felt like, gosh, I want to create more resources for, or as you would say, resources <laughs> as a Canadian, uh, for, for executive pastors. You know, mm -hmm. So I, I started digging into this role and I realized there was like two books for executive pastors. Right. right? You had, you had uh, Leading from the Second Chair, which is an awesome book. Uh, there's another one that I won't mention because I don't think it's very good. Um, <laughs> and, and I just kind of found myself at a loss for resources for mm -hmm. XPs. Mm -hmm. um, I found David Fletcher's website pretty quickly, xpastor.org. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. um, but, but really um, kind of immediately felt like, 
gosh, I think I might have something to contribute here in like a decade, mm-hmm. you know, when I've got mm-hmm. some experience under my belt. And I was encouraged early on by uh, an executive pastor at another church. Um, he just said, man, I think you're talking about this role a little differently than most guys are. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe, you know, God's gifted you to be a, somebody who can be kind of a more um, a national voice on this and, mm-hmm. and maybe have a little bit of a different role mm-hmm. uh, in the leadership culture. And so I said, okay, well, right now I'm, I'm young and stupid and, and I need to get some experience under my belt. But when I've got some more experience, I'll do that. And so just started taking notes on a lot of things and um, began to develop some some writings. And um, so this is the first book uh, in a, a five-part series, actually. So mm-hmm. it's it's called the Backstage Pastors Series. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first one is is really kind of on um, kind of razor razor sharp focused on uh, defining the role. Mm-hmm. It's a hundred pages long, so it's a quick read, um, and it's designed to really feel like we're just kind of sitting sitting there having a cup of coffee together. Um, the next one will be on the lead pastor and executive pastor relationship. Mm-hmm. So again, it'll just be super focused on that. I'm about halfway through that book right now, mm-hmm. um, so that should come out later this year. Mm-hmm. Um, the next one will be a self guided education mm-hmm. for executive pastors. Mm-hmm. Really, kind of an annotated bibliography on business books, ministry books, but uh, kind of, you know, if you find yourself as an XP in whatever Montana small town, you know, mm-hmm. you can pick up this book and go, man, I can I can go through these books over the next three years and I'm going to get a pretty good education. Right, um, right, right, right. The next two are going to be um, the executive pastor and his team. Mm-hmm. And the last one, or I'm not sure the exact order that I'll write them all in, but um, the, one of them is going to be the executive pastor and his soul. Mm. And really kind of dealing with some of the unique um, soul issues that are different maybe for an executive pastor than they might be for a lead pastor. Mm. Uh, we're going to struggle with different sin issues, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to struggle with different pride issues. Mm. Uh, we're going to struggle with different idols. Mm-hmm. And so that will kind of focus in on that. Uh, I'm not quite sure I'm, I'm ready to write that one yet. So I <laughs> think it's time. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm excited to kind of poke away at this series over the next few years. This is the Unseminary Podcast. Stuff you wish they taught in seminary. And we're going to jump into the lightning round just to kind of wrap up with a few questions here that we ask everybody that's uh, on the show. Today, super excited to have Phil Taylor with us from Mosaic Church uh, in, in Orlando, around in and around Orlando. Um, always nice to talk to somebody from the Sunshine State. Um, you know, Phil, what is uh, an online resource you're using these days uh, that you're finding particularly helpful in your ministry? Sure. I mean, Evernote tracks everything for me. Uh, what I really love about Evernote is that I can create a link uh, to a note and then continue to update it. So mm-hmm. I just had an elder meeting last night, and uh, you know, I, I sent all of our elders about a week ahead of time the link mm-hmm. to, to the, the agenda notes for that night. And then over the course of the week, any file that I wanted to include, uh, a bylaw adjustment or, mm-hmm. you know, a, a P&L statement. Um, I just could continue to drop those into the link and my guys knew, hey, I'll just keep checking this and it's going to keep on getting updated. Mm-hmm. And then it, it, it lives on and even, you know, the next day I can drop in the, the notes from the meeting. And so I, I, I find Evernote to be super helpful mm-hmm. uh, uh, for, for kind of leading and, and shepherding people. So that's great. Absolutely. Um, what's a, a book you've read, I don't know, in the last six months to a year that's, that's had an impact on your thinking? Yeah. Story? You know, I've had a book on my shelf for probably two years that I just hadn't gotten around to reading, mm-hmm. and I just read it. It's called Make the Noise Go Away, mm. and it's by, uh, I think it's called, Larry, I've actually got it on my desk here. It's um, Larry Lynn. Mm. I can't see that, but mm-hmm. anyway, um, uh, Larry Lynn. It's a business book, mm-hmm. uh, but really it's a it's a story of a, it's kind of written in uh, kind of a Patrick Lencioni, you know, narrative kind of style, mm-hmm. fable kind of style, and mm-hmm. it's 
It's really a book about a first chair leader and a second chair leader in the business world mm. uh, trying to figure out how, how their relationship works. Mm. And I found it to be really helpful in the research for my second book. So it's short, it's easy, um, and I'd encourage uh, any executive pastor to pick it up and maybe mm. even with their lead pastor. Cool. Uh, what's another ministry you're looking to these days that kind of inspires you? Yeah, um, I just spent some time at a church in Colorado um, called um, Red Rocks Church. Mm. Great church. And uh, I was out there um, at a, a Potter's Inn, uh, which is a kind of a soul care mm-hmm. development place in the mountains of Colorado. Uh, and um, I popped into Red Rocks Church because my brother-in-law is, is pretty involved there. And it was great to learn from them and kind of see how they they just transformed a big box store uh, into one of their campuses, uh, similar size to what we're doing. We're transforming mm-hmm. a big box store into our, mm-hmm. our new largest campus. And so it was mm-hmm. great to kind of see how they solve different problems. But uh, they've got some great stuff. I really like how they kind of approach branding and mm-hmm. kind of telling their story. I think they tell their story really well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, they're a great place to learn from. And then, you know, really for, for kind of deeper soul stuff, the Potter's Inn that I just mentioned, mm. man, I've learned a lot from them. I think a lot of times, uh, you know, if you think of, you know, who who is the forgotten flock in the church, it's typically the staff. Mm. Uh, and so, you know, Part of my role is to shepherd the staff mm-hmm. and kind of be their pastor in a sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then, then you kind of go, well, great. Then who's your pastor? Mm-hmm. Uh, and and so you know, I, I think it's it's kind of hard to accomplish that inside of your church. Mm-hmm. And so the Potters Inn is a, a group that we've contracted with um, to uh, really provide soul care mm-hmm. for our executive level uh, leadership. So our lead pastor, myself, um, and probably a couple others will pull into that. Mm-hmm. So my wife and I went and spent a week there. And uh, had kind of a soul care intensive with mm. uh, Stephen and Gwen Smith. Stephen's written a ton of books on soul care. Mm-hmm. Uh, highly encourage um, pastors to check out his stuff. Hmm. Very cool. If you could get 15 minutes with any leader alive, uh, who would you want to get that with and why? Hmm. Uh, well, since I'm here in the, the backyard of Disney, I'm going to go with the Disney CEO, uh, Bob, Bob Iger. Yeah. Bob Iger. Yeah, right. he's... Uh, you know he's 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 struggling a bit. He only made forty five million dollars last year. Um, <laughs> You'll but, take the uh, tide, though. Exactly. <laughs> so he, you know, he's he's transformed a lot there. He's been on yeah. a, a kind of a buying spree and, mm-hmm. and bought up, you know, uh, Lucasfilm and all sorts of things. But I think you know because we we um, serve so many uh, what Disney calls their cast members. It's what they call their employees because we serve so many cast members. I'd love to just sit down with him and. And, and talk about that and, and maybe ask him, hey, why can't we rent any of your buildings? We're, we're in a Holiday Inn. Just, just out, yeah, I want to rent one of your buildings for a campus. You know? <laughs> but uh, yeah, he's, he's a pretty smart guy. So. Yeah, that's amazing. They're, it really, they're obviously an incredible uh, company to you know, keep, an, keep an eye out on. I, it'll be in, intriguing. I'm a big Disney fan, and it'll be interesting to see what will happen in the transition as he starts to you know, think about retirement and yeah. know, will there be an internal battle like there was well, when they've already decided he... his successor. Oh, I didn't know that. That's it's cool. already been named. Yeah. Great. Oh, good. Well, so. that's that's good. It'll be interesting to watch how they because he's had an incredible run, um, yeah. you know, as a leader for sure. All right. Well, I'm sure leading uh, obviously takes a lot at, at Mosaic when you just want to kick back, relax, kind of enjoy uh, life a little bit. Uh, what do you you know, what do you do for fun? What do you do just to kind of relax? I love to run. Uh, I love running half marathons and marathons. Mm. Um, I love to kayak. I'm actually staring out at Lake Louisa right now, and mm. um, uh, I would love to get out there on my kayak right now. But uh, <laughs> right. Um, and then you know, because we are we are uh, in kind of the Orlando area, my family loves going to theme parks, and mm-hmm. uh, we get the Florida resident discount, and we'll we'll head out to 
Legoland or Disney or Universal. We enjoy doing that on the weekends. So um, it's a lot of fun. Very cool. Well, I really appreciate you being on the show today. If people want to get in touch with Mosaic or with you, how can they do that? Yeah, they can email me, uh, Phil T at thisismosaic.org. And that's our website, thisismosaic.org. And I'd be happy to reach out. I blog at backstagepastors.org. That's my uh, website where I post on a lot of just really practical stuff um, about uh, ministry and just try to share whatever I'm working on. I just try to share it on there. So Very cool. Thanks so much for being on the show today, Phil. Good to be here. Thanks. Thank you for tuning in to this week's Unseminary podcast. Don't be shy. We'd love to connect. Check out Unseminary Inbox. You can sign up at unseminary.com and we'll send you helpful training resources every week. Plus, you'll gain immediate access to our exclusive members area with tons of resources Resources you can use. Connect with Rich on Twitter at Rich Birch or through email rich at unseminary.com. Don't forget to check out the show notes for this episode at unseminary.com. It includes links to what we talked about today and more. Leave a comment. We'd love to hear from you. Did you enjoy today's episode? Drop by iTunes and leave a review. Thanks again for tuning in to this week's Unseminary podcast. Join us next week when we'll learn more stuff we wish they taught in seminary.